0: Armando Baycott is up to it again. But this time he's not just recruiting basketball players, he's recruiting football players in the transfer portal. And guess what? He did it. North Carolina got two, count them, two Ohio State products to transfer to Carolina. John Garcia joins us to talk about all of it on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels you are locked on tar heels your daily podcast on the unc tar heels part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hey there it's thursday may 5th 2022 Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, contributor for North Carolina's sports illustrated site, all Tar Heels. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day and your first watch every single day for those of you who are checking in on YouTube. Please don't forget that we are free and available anywhere that you get your podcast. For those of you on YouTube, please like and subscribe and ring that bell so you get a notification anytime a new episode drops. And go ahead while you're there as well and comment. Each day now we are working to get 50 comments and 200 likes. Would love for you to participate in that as well. Why? Because we want to have a great community where we're having great conversation. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. All right, like I said, John Garcia Jr. is here. We're going to talk about some new Carolina football transfers coming in from Columbus, Ohio, and the Ohio State University. It is great to be joined again on Locked on Tar Heels by John Garcia Jr., who uh, I can't say new anymore, man. It's been several weeks now, is our college football recruiting insider here on Locked On. As you can see behind John, if you're watching, uh, does this for Sports Illustrated. And if you follow that, you know well of John's acclaim and everything he's so great at. And um, John, before we dive in, I just want to say thanks, man. You've been offering such great content, and I've I've been getting uh, so many comments from, from listeners. Listeners and viewers, and so uh, just want to say a big thank you to you for the great job you do.
1: I uh, Appreciate it from from everybody listening. Uh, love talking Tar Heels. Used to live in Durham, so I was close by, <laughs> uh, so I, I got some love for, for Tobacco Road
0: and the Triangle yes. all together. Love that, man. That's awesome. And uh, before we dive into what we're talking about today, last week, uh, for those of you who remember, John and I talked about a lot about Sam Howe and uh, what might happen there. And we ended up talking about at the end, like what happens if he falls, not thinking he'd go past Friday. And then he winds up not going until not just the fourth round, but the fifth round on Saturday. And so, John, i was just curious if you had any thoughts about either Sam or the, or the quarterback draft
1: situation in general. I think everybody, uh, the NFL teams, bought into the the thought that it was a weaker quarterback draft as a whole, and and to me, everybody went a little bit lower than what I expected, um, and, and the order was certainly not what I expected. <laughs> uh, I think Kenny Pickett had the most buzz, but thereafter, uh, I thought it was it was quite puzzling to a degree. I actually think Sam Howell and Matt Corral may end up as as the most successful NFL quarterbacks from this draft, and they ended up going what fourth and fifth. Yeah, uh, of the guys. So it, it's going to be interesting to look back at this draft uh, quarterback wise. But look, Sam gets to go to Washington. There is a situation where they, you know, they're still TBD on the incumbent starter there. Carson Wentz. So you never know. Uh, but, you know, I, I know the chip on his shoulder has certainly grown uh, sitting through that weekend. But, uh, you know, he's still drafted still uh, a North Carolina product that they can sell uh, towards Sundays. And that that still is important, both for Sam and obviously for Carolina and and recruiting going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and what a win for him to get to to sit back and learn, uh, not only from Carson, but from Tyler Heineke as well. And man, that's just a good situation. Um, I also loved what you said. I thought a lot about it since, but that supply and demand comment you made last week of just in addition to it being a weaker quarterback class, there's just not many teams that need young starters right now. And so, uh, I've just, mm, I've liked that a lot and it's, it's been been helpful to me. So thank you for that. Well, we are not here today to talk about quarterbacks or the draft class. We're here to talk about recruiting and this pipeline that has opened up from Columbus, Ohio, straight to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Uh, And and before we dive into these two young men who have committed to Carolina, I want to talk a little bit about uh, student-athletes recruiting other student-athletes. And we've seen this none greater in Chapel Hill in the last four years than a member of the basketball team, Mr. Armando Baycott. Now, typically, he's trying to get guys to come join him on the hardwood. But in this instance, he's reaching out to get somebody to come to Carolina and be a football player in the form of legend Cavazos, who did come. And we're going to talk about him in a minute. John, in your experience, is there like, what does it mean to a recruit when a current player reaches out?
1: I think that's where COVID changed the recruiting game to a large Hmm. degree, because coaches couldn't hit the road. There were no official visits. So a lot of coaching staffs try to empower their current players and or oh. current verbal commitments to say hey man get on the phone help us out help us build this class um, and peer recruiting ended up being a huge hit for some mm-hmm. of the top recruiting programs in the country because look if a player has already gone through it or is going through it currently you can now resonate with him much more so than a coach I mean it's just kind of a it's kind of a you know look at us versus look at them kind of scenario and I do think that um, it expands to the co- the college student body and, and more specifically the student athlete uh, body uh, at a school like North Carolina where, you know, you know the groups are obviously relatively close. Um, sure. and, and when it's somebody who's well-known like that, like Armando, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it just, it, it, it pushes, pushes things forward just a little bit more because, you know, he had his own decision to make. You know, do, do you That's leave right. towards the NBA or do you stay at Carolina and try to make another Final Four run? So he already went through Kind of the, you know, do I even want to stay in college conversation? So transferring from one school to another probably feels like a little smoother for him. So I think that could possibly have resonated with Kavasos as well.
0: Man, that's so interesting. And when you might or might not know the answer to this, but when there's that like, public reach out like that for, for the peer recruiting. I love that phrase that you used. Is there any behind the scenes conversations? Like if, if I'm, if I'm at Chapel Hill and you're at Ohio state, you know, I make this public, Hey, John Garcia, come hang out with me at Chapel Hill. Do I then reach out to you like through a DM or a text to say, listen, legitimately come be here. Is that going on too?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not just a 10 second. Hey, what's his at? Let me, let me shoot him a tweet. Uh, It usually is followed up upon and and obviously, uh, you know, when those things happen, it it just it's outside the box and it feels uh, it feels different. You know, I actually spoke to a source on Cavazos earlier this afternoon and he said like dozens of schools inquired uh, about him. So when you start to separate one from the rest, those little extra points of emphasis uh, could potentially stand out. Um, and and make you feel, you know, quote unquote, the love a little bit more, (laughs) which is still important. That's still at the core of, of recruiting, right? It's attention, it's love, it is praise, it is value, you know, expressing, hey, you have value, come here to enhance that value kind of thing. So anything outside the box that points towards that Publicly, especially, I think does resonate, um, and it certainly didn't hurt uh, in landing his commitment. <laughs> I'd say not, and in fact, it
0: eventually got him to come to Chapel Hill, and so uh, we're going to talk about Legend Cavazos, what he brings to the field, and what that means for the Tar Heels on defense in just a moment, but first, let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs and the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. They've even already published odds at Bet Online for the 2023 Final Four. Kentucky leads the way at eight to one odds to win the national championship, and the Tar Heels are right behind them at ten to one. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, a special shout out again to those of you watching on YouTube. Uh Man, it's just really cool how, how we've been growing this YouTube audience ever since it started just a couple months ago and, and love all the comments, love all the camaraderie that's happening. Again, as, as we talked about on, on Wednesday's show, there's just so much positive conversation happening and I love to see that. People supporting the Tar Heels, supporting these young men and women. Keep it up. Let's get again to 50 comments and 200 likes. We are joined today once again by John Garcia, Jr., talking college football recruiting. And North Carolina has recently uh, secured two commitments from former Ohio State Buckeyes, one of whom we just talked about in Legend Cavazos, who had been recruited by Armando Baycott publicly. They're taking pictures together with Mac Brown and Storm Duck, a, a current uh, a other person in the defensive backfield for Carolina. And just, I, I think my first question, John, is, what does that do when you get this guy on campus and now you, you start showing him off a little bit? What what does that do?
1: It doesn't hurt, you know, Isaac, this is, it's, it's 2022, right? Everybody's brand is important. Everybody's trying to establish and reestablish who they are and what their market value can be. So, mm. uh, you know, a school like, like UNC Chapel Hill, where uh, it's a great kind of intimate campus uh, and you could, you could run into a lot of well-known people in a short amount of time uh, it never hurts to to put that out publicly and look when you're talking about a transfer visitor uh it's usually a smaller visit weekend which it was for carolina and it's kind of focused on on that group uh so Mm. naturally you're going to get more one-on-one time with mac brown and you're going to be i guess paraded a little bit more than a typical recruit would be because again when you have so many schools involved you know any little difference you can create could resonate in the end
0: yeah Man, that that's so interesting, and and you know having somebody like Dre Bly leading that room, I mean that can't hurt your cause, right?
1: Absolutely, there is a trust there. Um, uh, Dre Dre Bly is one of the more well liked secondary coaches that mm. we we get to talk about on the trail. I mean, a lot of kids inside, you know, in the footprint regionally or outside, understand you know kind of what he's done and what he's built. Uh, now at Carolina. Uh, and I know that was an important part of it for Cavazos, but also just the availability uh, for playing time. You know, this oh. is a prospect who was really on the cusp of of leveling up there at Ohio State. They did go through some roster changes and uh, he, he gave him a chance through spring. Uh, has no love lost with, with Ohio State. Still very fond of the Buckeyes, but I'm told this was about getting on the field. This was about the opportunity to put everything that you've learned together, um, you know, with with a high level product at, at UNC and in the yeah. ACC, so um, it's business decision. It is kind of you know what it comes <laughs> down to sometimes, and and you understand it, right? I mean, it's yep. recruiting. Yep. There's a, a small window here to, to make your move if you want to make an impact on Saturdays and have a shot at Sundays, which I know you know is is the plan for Cavasos.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so from from what you're hearing from people, uh, from sources and others, is that the biggest motivating factor in him making this move is playing time?
1: I think so. Uh, you know, th- this is a kid who's who's had sprinkles of playing time at Ohio State. Like I said, he was re- ready to take that next step. He's been in the program. He, he got banged up early. Now he's healthy, ready to go. And, and this is a big impressive looking DB six1 uh, over 200 pounds he runs Man. incredibly well he's in that 44 range so he's got this 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 corner ceiling uh, and maybe safety floor if, if you need to move him there too so I just think he's looking to to make more of an impact uh, I know coming out of high school he wanted to play all over the secondary that wasn't necessarily the case at Ohio State so I'm curious okay. to see how that could potentially work out at, at UNC. So, yeah. you know, we see a lot of different reasons for the portal um, all over the place. I guess I guess money is now becoming one of them uh, in the most recent uh, national storylines. But I think the <laughs> core of the portal was like, was circumstance, right? It was based on, you know, either something you didn't have or something that you felt you couldn't achieve at school A. So school B could potentially offer you that. So I think this is kind of a classic transfer where it's not really about any one thing in particular from a negative standpoint it's just kind of uh, from a business standpoint like it is what it is want a little bit more playing time want a little bit more position flexibility and a school like unc may offer me both so let me make the move
0: yeah, it's so good. Plus, it's got to be two of the greatest cornerback names, DB names in the country, in Storm Duck and Legend Kavasa. I mean, Storm Legend, yeah. like there's there's some nil written all over that man. Come on,
1: so Absolutely. there's a um, hashtag or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right? Uh, It's kind of like I've been joking. Well, we're not going to get into that. We got to talk football. I was going to start talking basketball. Uh, So (laughs) another thing with legend is um, for those who aren't aware, his dad is an XFL scout. And so when you just have kind of that lineage, what what does that do for you in terms of, of preparation and playing this game the right way, if I can say it that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you a, a more realistic look at your options, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think a big percentage of recruiting is the self-awareness, both from the player and from the school, right? Who can you legitimately target, you know, within reason? And I think when when you your family has a scouting background, and he played at IMG Academy as well, so I mean, he's sure. he's been aware of his talents and, and you know, capabilities for quite <laughs> some time. I do think that gives you an advantage because it gives you a realistic kind of a uh, tier system to look into, like, hey, this is a program where I can come in and truly make an impact versus, hey, I might have to be developed here for another year or two, which is certainly not in the plans uh, for, for most kids in the transfer portal. Yeah. So it certainly gives you an advantage from from a self-awareness standpoint. And I think from a context standpoint, right? Um, I mean, uh, his dad was at a bunch of pro days uh, watching what NFL scouts were looking for. So he obviously has an advantage of the insight on on what is is sought after at the position uh, literally right now. Yeah, we could
0: all be so lucky. My, my dad worked for Delta and I don't know anything about planes so <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, here's another interesting facet to this to me is he's coming into a defense with a new defensive coordinator, bringing a new defensive scheme. What is there about Gene Chizik coming in in his first year that allows uh, a high level player, a high level parent who knows the game to
1: trust that? I think it's a it's track record of aggression. You know, uh, this defense is going to be a downhill attacking style defense. And it means for the secondary, you're going to have an opportunity to play a lot of man coverage uh, mm-hmm. and, and be physical with the wide receiver to disrupt the timing. And that's something that legend is really, really strong at. You know, I mentioned he's six one. he He's got great length as well. Uh, And he's got the catch-up speed to take a little bit more risks. You know, he's been clocked right there in that 4-4-0 range. So if he does miss early, he does have the wheels to make up for it. So a defense like Carolina's will allow him to be his sort of uh, fully realized, aggressive self out on the edge and and once you start to get reps like that uh, it expands what you can do defensively as a play caller so again with legend and storm uh, you know that hashtag out at corner which is what we think that's is going right. it's it's going to look right. like yeah. and you can do a lot more things defensively and disrupt the timing of some of these explosive offenses that you face in the ACC and obviously that's that's a win-win for everybody
0: Absolutely it is. And Carolina got carved up a lot last year. So this could be a huge win for them in the secondary. Well, in just a second here, we're going to move from the secondary up to the line and another Ohio State transfer. But first, here's a couple ads for you. All right, we are here today on Locked on Tar Heels with John Garcia, Jr. We're talking Ohio State transfers that are now in baby Carolina blue. And we've already talked about legend Cavazos. And now we're going to talk about somebody up on the line also who transferred. And that's Jacoby Cowan, defensive lineman. And so um, he he committed a little bit after Cavazos. Um, and so, John, what what do you see that went into this
1: decision? Yeah, this is a total opposite of Cavazos in terms of why, to me. This mm. is more about, hey, you know, I'm from Charlotte. I want to come back to, to the state of North Carolina uh, and kind of finish where it started. You know, I read where Jacoby's first recruiting visit ever, I think in eighth grade, was to Chapel Hill. You know, so there's certainly, you know, a, a full circle feel with this one. Um, I do think that the playing time was a part of this. You know, he didn't really... Um, come in and hit the ground running on the field uh, for Ohio State. Again, gotcha. as talented a team as, as there is nationally, um, not every kid's willing to be developed for three or four years. You know, he gave it a couple of years' run. He redshirted and, and went through a lot of ups and downs there. Uh, so I think this is another classic, hey, you know, I, I want a, a fresh start somewhere else. Uh, and I think the, that search began closer to home, where, where he's from, you know, Providence Day school kid uh, coming back home is certainly a, a good story uh, to write about. Um, and that's, you know, another point of emphasis with the portal. I think you see yeah. circumstantially a lot of really cut and dry reasons for hitting the portal, but coming back home is is one of those that still resonates. We, we've seen yeah. that uh, frequently this offseason. So... Uh, I think this one, you know, obviously Cavazos coming didn't hurt. You know, they took the visit together. They're obviously familiar with one another. Um, but, you know, I think for Jacoby this is more about, you know, getting to perform at a high level, but also doing so, doing, being able to do so closer to home.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. That's been one of my favorite unintended things that I didn't even think about with the transfer portal is it's seen so many examples uh, of student athletes taking advantage either of that COVID year or the transfer portal to say, hey, I'm going to go play close to home. Or like uh, there was an instance with a Carolina basketball player leaving to go play uh, for his dad at another school for his COVID year. And just it's pretty cool. What what does it mean when you talk to these young men uh, about what it means to play in, in front of hometown fans.
1: Yeah, uh, it means a ton, Isaac, because some of those fans are going to be in your family, and they're going to be people who you grew up with, or people who know you and remember watching you uh, down the road in, in Charlotte, you know, playing really, really well. When I think they won a state title when when he was there, uh, nice. twenty-two sacks his last two years in high school. So a kid who who was an All-American, Under Armour All-American, who really like you know. B- Put on for Charlotte, basically. So I, I think it means a lot. I mean, I think anybody, any athlete will tell you that when you're playing with more at stake and family in attendance, you know, it, it just it does mean more. Um, it, it certainly helps with the adrenaline, adrenaline a little bit as well. So I think this is, is a full circle moment uh, for Jacoby, and and yeah, coming home does matter. You know, it's it's a great storyline, and and probably some added pressure to him that that he's willing to embrace because of the benefits that could come out of it
0: yeah man love that well let's let's move from talking about his story and this decision to what he actually does on the field what is it that Jacoby brings that can help this carolina
1: line he brings versatility you know he's he's got some tweener to his game six five he's 275 or so so (laughs) You know, in high school, he was more of an edge guy, more of a pass rusher. I mentioned the the 22 sacks, but at Ohio State, he played a little bit more inside, more of a defensive tackle uh, or or end in a 3-4 type scheme that we think Carolina is going to run more of um, in this current current coaching staff. So I think that helps him as well. So there's a bit of a, a positional flexibility up front. Where he, you've got that pass rushing floor because he's done it, uh, but you've also have the frame at six foot five, two seventy five, two eighty to kick inside, particularly uh, on, on later downs when you're trying mm-hmm. to create an interior pass rush. And I think that's something that uh, Jacoby does really, really well. You know, he's quicker than you would you would think at, at six five, 280. Um, a really physical kid who who again has that that kind of knack. Uh, getting by the blocker which is still you know a core fundamental of the game so wow. i think again you know it, it'll help him maximize his strengths especially in this type of defense i think he'll be able to move around a little bit up front as opposed to being locked into one position
0: man that's good and what like I think this is something maybe we don't think as much about on the defensive side of the ball. Like, we we so often talk about a three-down back who who can run, catch out of the backfield, pass pro, all that. But what does it mean to have D-linemen that have that versatility that can stay on the field for an entire series?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to rush the passer. I mean, it just is what it is. And (laughs) watch, we were talking about the NFL draft, right? I mean, the guy who went number one is like the freakiest pass rusher in the draft. And then a bunch of other pass rushers went, thereafter i mean the game is about affecting the passer um and and defensively if you can do that with edge guys and some bigger guys who could rush on the inside it just brings out more uh freedom uh to to be aggressive on the back end you know and i think that's Mm -hmm. something that carolina is trying to navigate towards defensively uh you know on third downs no pass rusher on the field is going to be out there if it's a weakness in his game gotcha. uh, they're going to take you out and put put in one of these you know smaller guys quicker guys guys who are just more experienced uh, at getting after the passer yeah. so I think with Jacoby you might not have to do that um, you could slide him inside and still generate a rush from all angles.
0: Ooh, and what a joy to be able to do that with that size and athleticism. That's a great combination. And then that allows, bringing it full circle, that allows Duck and Cavazos to to do what they're trying to do on the back end, like you just referenced. And that seems to me to be a winning combination.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, the defense is. I mean, look, we, we all watched last year. The defense is the area that that needs to to step up. That's why there was transition under Mac Brown with the coaching staff and and and. They all understand that. So uh, bringing in experience and big physical experience on top of that is, is one of the ways to get it done from the talent perspective, too. So it'll be fun to see how it all molds together when these guys get on campus here pretty soon. Absolutely. And so and that actually brings up my last question to you,
0: John, is. North Carolina under Mac Brown has, has seen a nice progression. I think year two went further than they thought. And then we saw that decline last year. But they are trying to build this, this culture, this winning uh, vibe and environment. And two guys coming together from Ohio State that has that winning culture already. Um, obviously, a lot of what breeds that is the coaching staff setting precedents. But how much effect can these two guys coming in have on, on the winning of this Carolina team?
1: Well, both guys are winners. Uh, you obviously mentioned at Ohio State where where they've you know gone incredibly far pretty much every year, except for last year. And then yeah. both of these guys at the high school level have won a ton. Cavazos was at IMG Academy playing a national schedule, winning mythical national championships. And Cowan was uh, a <laughs> state champion at Providence Day. So it's, it is, you know, it's something that, uh can be invaluable uh because there there's going to be winners have that standard at all times, right? It's not mm-hmm. going to just be um on the walkthrough before the game and game day itself. It's gonna be on the Tuesday practice that everyone hates because it's full gear and physical and you're still kind of banged up from Saturday. Uh it's, it's the leaders and the winners that will say, hey, you know, we need to ramp this up today as well, because this is the day we can be the most physical because it lightens up thereafter. So I think in all the small elements of practicing meetings and, and kind of, you know, your posture, how you carry yourself, winners just happen to do it uh, better and more consistently than others. I mean, it just yeah. kind of is what it is. So yeah. if you are going to bring in transfers, you know, bringing them in from programs that have been there and done that uh, should be a nice little, uh, you know, feather in the cap for, for any school.
0: Ooh, boy, that's good news. Locked to look forward to on the defensive side of the football this upcoming season. Can't wait to see it play out. John Garcia Jr., brother, thank you as always. Great stuff. Thanks for being here.
1: Always fun, Isaac. Take care.
0: Awesome. You too. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. My thanks again to John Garcia Jr. for joining us as always and all his great content. Go give him a follow on Twitter if you don't follow him already. Uh, it's a great follow, great content, great information. Speaking of which, you can follow the show at Locked on Heels. You can also follow me at Isaac Shade, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Well, uh would also love to have more conversation if you would like to in, in other ways. You can send the show an email, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. Reach out and send us um, some content there. would love to hear some of your Carolina family stories. Well, coming up on tomorrow's show on Friday, we're going to have a conversation with North Carolina quarterback, Scott Stankavage as he tells us some of his story, but also shares a little bit about uh, the the mindset that Sam Howe might've been going through in the, NFL draft last weekend make sure you tune in for that great conversation and now that you've made Locked on Tar Heels your first listen today let me encourage you to make Locked on ACC your second listen get all your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes free and available anywhere you get your podcast well hey Thanks for spending so much uh, of your week and specifically today, your Thursday, talking Carolina sports with me. I hope you're as excited as I am about these two transfers coming in. Who knows what else Armando Baycott can do? The man is a magician. I want to remind you, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow,
1: peace.